Just this past Sunday, the star of the recently canceled series, The Trump White House, emerged from his foxhole at Mar-a-Lago. He was speaking at the Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC. And not surprisingly, he played some hits off his latest album, They Stole the Election from Me. I may even decide to beat them for a third time, okay? But he also reached into his back catalog for a few deep cuts, like this little chestnut on immigration. Many, many countries all over the world, they're not giving us their best and their finest. They may be rapists, they may be drug smugglers. We're one country. We can't afford the problems of the world. Now, regardless of where you stand on Trump's immigration policy, you have to admit that in some respects, he did what he set out to do, which is to drive immigration down. He set the cap of refugees to the U.S. at just 15,000 people annually, about 70,000 less than what Obama allowed. And legal immigration into the U.S. has dropped 63% from 2016 to now, and that was a pre-COVID trend. But here's where a hawkish position on immigration rubs up against a rather inconvenient data point, one that appears in just about every developed nation on Earth. We're not making enough babies. See, birth rates are falling all across the first world. In the U.S. alone, it's dropped to its lowest point in 35 years. We're now at the point where we're simply not creating enough people to sustain our populations. That means fewer people entering the workforce to replace the ones who are leaving, meaning there won't be enough tax revenue from working people to support all those retirees, especially if we're not making great, high-income opportunities available to everyone equally. Now, if you were a talent recruiter at a big company and you've got roles to fill that can't be filled internally, what do you do? Well, you look for external candidates, of course, and that's exactly what other developed nations are doing. A reverse Trump, if you will. Here in Canada, where the Nexus is produced, we have a robust pro-immigration policy. And by robust, I mean shout it from the rooftops, cool in the gang style, party going on right here, and everybody's invited kind of robust. But the experience for many who immigrate to Canada is not quite as advertised. For many immigrant professionals, it can be years before they find opportunities in their chosen field, if at all. That's partly because the government's message of Canada as a land of opportunity for immigrants is not one that most companies have bothered to read. And according to our guest on this episode, missing out on that talent pool is a huge loss, not just for the individual, but for businesses and our future. Her name is Ajoa K. Boahini, and she is the CEO of TRIAC, an organization that helps immigrant professionals get started in Canada. She joins us today at The Nexus. The Nexus, a place where people converge and connect. On this podcast, we look at the things that are changing the way all of us do our jobs. We're going to take a quick peek into the minds of those people who are helping us change. Scientists, HR leaders, and experts in human performance. I'm Chris Nelson. Oh, Adjoa, we should probably start by saying that you have some personal connection to the work that you do, yes? Folks and the immigrant professionals that we try to support uh, very much reflect also my family's lived experience. 
So my father and mother met here in Canada in the 50s. My father from Ghana, my mother from Germany. My father studied here and then my dad wanted to do his medical degree. And that was not feasible or possible back then. He was too old and probably some systemic other things going on. And so they moved overseas. So first Malta and then Germany, which is where I was born in Malta. And then we lived in Germany before coming back to Canada. My father was Canadian, but internationally educated in Germany as a physician and had a dickens of a time to get licensed in this country. And so that's the story, fast forward 35 years later, that we still hear. Canadians in general have become far more open and aware of the need for immigration. We have the baby boomies retiring at an increasing rate who are all going to want to be living at home and being taken care of by right healthcare um, system. So, so the demographics is done. I think what has slightly changed is, if you ask me, it's refreshing, is the fact that Canadians do recognize the need for immigration and are very positive about that. The question that remains or the work that continues to, to be done is, the integration and the ramping up of these immigrants to their full potential in a quicker period of time. It feels like we make really grand promises to immigrant professionals when they come to this country, but what we promise and what they experience once they arrive are kind of like two different things. Why does that gap exist and what can we do to close it? I think some of it is also perception being reality, right? Canada is a draw to many, many people in the world. But I think that there is this this dream. It's a complex situation of, of, of perception versus reality. And then there, I do think that there are tactical things or, you know, things that we could probably do better as a community and as a business community. So attracting the talent is easy, but utilizing the talent is where we fall down. Can businesses do more to change that? And what would those actions look like? Sure. So there's some research that shows, certainly in hiring, that there's some biases, right? Unconscious biases that folks have. We all have unconscious bias, but that also a hiring recruiter or manager might have when they're looking at resumes. So names that don't sound quote unquote Canadian can can also be a matter of, oh, I don't know, for example, my name. When I call her, I'm going to call her Dwoa, and she's going to say it's Adwoa, and then I'm going to feel like an idiot, right? <laughs> so, so it could be small things like that. The number one concern, and I was on another panel where somebody asked the question, is still this notion of the need for Canadian experience. I'd say that's probably one of the largest barriers that newcomers face, because clearly they don't have Canadian experience yet. We have to help employers understand and help the recruiters in particular understand that that is, why is that even a thing? It's a historical barrier, I would suggest, that was put in place that one could investigate, evaluate, and maybe make assumptions as to why it was there. But in this current environment, global environment, where companies, especially large ones, are matrixed around the world anyway, why would that even be an, an impediment? Let's look at the competencies that somebody brings versus exactly where they demonstrated those competencies. I'm just going to say it sounds like you're advocating for new hiring practices. New hiring practices or a change in, right? Because I think it's also eliminating some things that we used to do, such as requiring Canadian experience and looking at it differently. And some courageous companies blind copy the names, right? So you don't, you actually don't even see and can know if it's a man or a woman or because of the name. Okay, that's interesting because we're really obsessed with the idea of blind hiring here. And in this case, 
It feels like it solves the problem of possible bias when it comes to putting immigrant professionals into roles where they're needed. Prior to such a practice that there's also things that people can do, because frankly, I believe that recruiters, managers, companies do want the best talent. And so in order to get that best talent, they just may need some recognition of those biases or barriers and that there is actually a conviction or commitment to removing those. And I do think in the last year with certain movements, Black Lives Matters and and understanding that more and more corporations are open to exploring this and to recognizing how they have those barriers, whether they put them in place or it was just convention. So how do you persuade a business to put in that kind of work? So, well, in the private sector, because the secret words is your bottom line, right? And so when you don't have, and I know of um, somebody's on a board who works for a IT consulting company, and she said, you know, with COVID and the borders being closed and so on, we are worried because we won't necessarily have enough people in place to service all of our client needs. So ultimately, it does come down to helping Folks recognize that if you have open vacancies, this is impacting your bottom line. And it's also looking at having them look at the retirement rates, having them look at productivity in teams and turnovers and so on. Having said that, there are more and more leaders who also recognize that it's the right thing to do. It's that there is a recognition that the smart thing is also the right thing or the right thing is also the smart thing. So there is an increasing commitment and understanding and conviction that we've seen through many underrepresented groups. I mean, women as well in the workplace, right? I mean, it's not not that we've broken the glass ceiling, heaven forbid, but but we've moved, we write that needle has moved. We touched on blind hiring and owning solutions and we touched on checking biases. What about sidestepping bias altogether? Just like skipping the human component and going to AI hiring. Does that work better for immigrant professionals or you know, are some of the same biases already programmed in? I think what's important, depending on what we're talking about, is to recognize that that system, unless it's quote unquote intelligent in and of itself and can evolve in and of itself, is going to inherently have the biases of the person who programmed it. Prior uh, versions of having resumes screened by a computer program, they are inherently going to screen out because of the way it's programmed certain things like Canadian experience. So it doesn't have those words in it. So gone away, out it goes. Same as if you didn't have the exact title or the exact words of a title that they were, one was looking for, you would get screened out by the computer system. So I think that we would have to be very careful because the biases uh, are, are going to be there, which I think a lot of companies have also recognized as its problems, right? And so we've gone back to humans <laughs> looking at resumes. How can you tell somebody's fit, cultural fit, value fit through right, a computer system? So I don't think that we should you know, uh, ever, obviously, get rid of uh, that interaction. I think it's more important in, in scientists, and I sometimes come back to this example, the, the notion of the observer bias, yeah. right? So that inherently when you're doing an experiment, how do you eliminate your or reduce and can you ever fully get rid of your observer bias but it's having that recognition that would take us a heck of a lot further 
this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. So I would suggest to you in this journey, as it relates to you know immigrant professionals and, and uh, corporations, I think we're at, we're we're in the training plan. We've we've constructed that training plan, and some some are still working on building the training plan. Uh, some maybe still working on on making the decision to run the marathon. Hopefully both are there, but they're right either building their training plan or they're in their training plan. They're not at the race day yet. Adjoba, thanks so much for making the time to chat. It was really delightful. Our pleasure. If you think it's time to rethink your talent attraction efforts, then let Nexus help. We've been doing this kind of work for over two decades now, and we've gotten pretty good at it. You can find us at nexuscommunications.com. That's N-E-X-U-S communications.com. The Nexus is produced by Alexa Paveo, and both she and Jeff Littlejohn are our editors and sound designers. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please show your enthusiasm by telling all your friends and also liking us and commenting on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to feed your podcast, Jones. I'm Chris Nelson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.